0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing
4: Plus, we get into the antics, breakdowns, and breakthroughs of our own experience of marriage and parenthood.
3: All right. You ready, babe?
4: Yep. Let's do it, mama.
3: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Doing It At Home podcast. Real quick, before we hop into today's birth story, just a few announcements for you. First of all, did you know that we are a podcasting family, essentially, here at the Bivens household. Yeah, so Matthew and I host Doing It at Home Together, as you probably have already gathered, but Matthew has his own show as well called Having It All, and I have another show as well called Balance and Motherhood. So you can find those in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, pretty much any podcast player imaginable. You can find those shows. Matthew's show, Having It All, is a personal development Experience and conversation that really doesn't even do it justice as to what this is, and the brilliance that this man drops on the mic every single week that he comes to you in your ear with something that you can take and implement into your life, and the concept of what it is to have it all, all being an abundant, loving life. So it is an amazing conversation, and I highly recommend you check that out. And then, me, I'm hosting Balanced Motherhood, and you can kind of gather just by the title a little bit of what that might be about, but it's me bringing you two episodes a week, one, a short little mantra or mantra for you, and then a deep dive into some sort of relevant topic around loving yourself and caring for yourself in motherhood, finding your own unique sense of balance, what that is, and to achieve that with some support, accountability, tools that I drop for you on the podcast. So go check those out. Subscribe, drop some reviews in there because if you love the energy and the conversation that we bring to doing it at home, you'll definitely enjoy those podcasts as well. And beyond those podcasts, we are balanced lifestyle coaches. So we work with individuals and groups on balanced lifestyle habits, mindsets, experience, and we bring it. Um, Again, if you've experienced it on the show, that's what we do with our clients and our group settings. So go check out our website as well. I'll drop links to those in the show notes, MatthewBivens.com and SarahBivens.com to learn more. Okay. Today's birth story is super exciting on multiple levels. First of all, it's the first time we've had a really close friend or loved one on the show telling their birth story, aside from our mamas, actually, now that I think about it, because we interviewed our own moms about our birth stories, if you haven't checked those out. But we speak to our friend Mimi, who has been in our circle and in our community of friends and loved ones for a number of years now. And it kind of just dawned on us to have her on the show. So that's what we did. And not only is it such an amazing story in the way that she tells it and she is a beautiful human being in and of her own right outside of being a close friend to us. But she brings really unique perspectives and ones that we haven't had on the show before. First off, it is a throwback retelling of a birth story, because this birth took place in 1995. So this is 23 years later that Mimi is telling this story. And it is so vivid, you would think it happened yesterday. Also, Mimi was a 21-year-old PhD student at the time when she found out she was pregnant, a surprise pregnancy. So that, given her age, one of the younger mamas we've had on the show at the time of giving birth, she's not 21 anymore, But that as well as being a single mom, so baby's father chose to not be a part of the picture. And so in the midst of the fears of being alone and not really knowing what to do, Mimi gained strength in the team she assembled around her, namely her mom and then a group of really powerful women who supported her through her process and transition into motherhood. This is an episode you do not want to miss. I promise you, you're going to want to re-listen to parts of it. You're going to want to share it. You're going to want to hang out with Mimi and learn more about her, which you can, because she is a yoga instructor and an instructor of yoga instructors. (laughs) So she is a yogini, as well as just a beautiful mama, great friend, and we're so grateful to have her on the show. I know you're going to love this episode. So here it is.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty
3: Hi, Mimi.
2: Hey, Sarah. How's it going?
3: Awesome. Awesome. What's Hi, up, Matthew? Matthew.
4: Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> this is
3: cool. We're
4: excited to have you on the Doing It At Home podcast. Thanks for joining us.
2: You're welcome. Me too. I'm so excited to be on your show.
3: <laughs> yeah. So listeners, fun fact, Mimi is a friend of ours, and we've known Mimi now for like five, six years. Six yeah, eight. and has been a part wow. of our lives and community and all that great stuff. So we haven't had very many close people that we know on the show. And somehow, I mean, we've known you this long, Mimi, but this just popped up recently. We're like, oh my gosh, we need to have you on the show.
2: I know. <laughs> so
3: here we are, but I'm glad it happened um, all in divine time. Um, I guess it
2: doesn't help that I've been out of the country. So well, <laughs> hey,
3: you've been doing what you do. And I want you to share with listeners too what that is and who you are and what you do. So uh, let them know, share. Okay,
2: sure. Um, So I am a yoga teacher, and now I've gone international. So I am an international yoga teacher of teachers, and I've been spending the last two years in various countries, mostly in India, but um, I dabble in teaching yoga teacher training courses in Italy and in France, and I have my own school, and we teach courses in Indonesia. And so I've just been, you know, all over the place. (laughs)
1: I just
2: one or two yeah, just words. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> just a couple <laughs> here and there. <laughs> oh,
3: so, so cool. My own
2: version of Eat Pray Love. Exactly. journey.
3: <laughs>
4: oh, I love it. What would your three words be? What would your the titles be? <laughs>
2: um it had something to do with sky, air, and grounding because I think of yoga as the ethereal component. You know, I'm up in the air, I'm elevated in the clouds, and um water. All of the yoga teacher training courses have been close to some source of water because I gravitate to water. And uh, the grounding is like being centered for the teaching principle and being available for the students. So something like that. I haven't put the words around what it would be yet, but those three elements definitely Im- inspire my journey.
4: <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I just I totally put you on the spot and, uh, and you rocked it. That's cool.
3: I have been
2: thinking about it though. I've been like, well, the name of my version of it.
3: (laughs) Cool. So Mimi, you bring a really awesome, interesting, multiple, I would say, perspectives to the conversation of home birth, but one of the things we really wanted to get you here on the show for is you yourself were born at home and then you had a home birth as well and just the the time frame some of the circumstances around all of your your life situations just make it such a rich unique story that needed to be shared. So if you could just share a little bit of what you either probably don't remember necessarily of your birth, but maybe have been told or just details or things that you've been able to put together as far as why you were born at home, also when and where, and just, you know, fill in some of those details.
2: Okay. Yeah, no, I don't have any like, real world, even though I was there, memory. You don't remember (laughs) your own birth? Maybe
1: that's crazy. No, I
2: don't. (laughs) Try though I may, I just don't remember. But I do know it was in 1973, and I do know it was in New York City. So my dad is Nigerian, and um, he's what is called a babalawa, which is a high priest of a sort. And uh, so it's really, that's a whole lot of backstory that I don't have enough knowledge to talk about but he was if the mindset that he would deliver all of his children at home. So a lot of people, it's the mom who is the deciding factor on that. She's going to have the child at the hospital, or she's going to have that at home or mm-hmm. in the car on the way to the hospital <laughs> or the baby. But in this case, my father had already premeditated that he would deliver all of his children at home. So here we are on 126th street in this, um, high rise, whatever those apartments are called. And, uh, my mom goes into labor and my dad gives birth to me in this apartment on 126th Street in New York City. But I wasn't the first. Okay. He did the same thing. He delivered my older brother and he delivered my younger brother who you all know, Day yes. Adeola, <laughs> all in New York City and my younger sister KK in New York City in this 126th Street apartment in New York City. Wow. Yeah, with his own two hands. So we were he was the first person Human touch that made contact with this body as I'm coming out of the birth canal, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> wow. He decided that he wanted to do this because of of uh, I, I mean a lot of cultural reasons, mm-hmm. you know, blah and the spiritual aspect of that connection that you make with the child upon birth, and that influenced me a great deal as I grew in my decision to have a uh, home birth when it was my turn to have a baby.
3: Yeah. So I was curious, even a little before that growing up, you know, when you share lots of times kids or as we're you're young and you're sharing either your details of your birth or your parents or your family, were you sharing that you were born at home? And did you notice that that was not a common thing or not super popular? Or, or did any conversation like that come up over the years?
2: As a kid, I don't think I really talked about it a mm-hmm. lot. I mean, it would only come up very infrequently. Nobody was really having that kind of conversation, people would ask in general, so where were you born? And I would just say 126th yeah. Street, New York.
4: I <laughs> <laughs> just assumed that was a hospital. Yeah, yeah.
2: And occasionally in college, people would be like, oh, yeah, what hospital? And I'd be like, oh, not a hospital. In And 126th Street in the apartment. <laughs> so the conversation would take on that kind of note, but not until like college years where, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I've been to New York, what mm-hmm. hospital? <laughs> hmm hmm
3: Wow. So then you said it influenced your own decision to have a home birth. Share a little bit about that or, you know, in your pregnancy, did you kind of always know you were going to do that or did some other things fall into place that supported you in it? What was the setup there?
2: I think I kind of always knew I Mm. was going to do that. But when I found myself pregnant, when it was that time for me, I think it was around 21. I want to say 21. um, My son was born in 95 In September, so he's 23 now. Um, When I found out I was pregnant, I was alone. My the father was not around, and he had made a decisive action that he wasn't going to be part of my life or the child's life. Mm. So it was my mom who was there, and so there was a lot of fear around it. I thought I would be supported by the male aspect of this life form I was bringing to life, Mm. but instead it was my mother who I couldn't. I wouldn't replace for the world because she was much more powerful and influence in helping to raise my son in his early years. And there was a lot of fear for me because I didn't have him. And I was always used to seeing a mother and father with the way I was raised. My mom and my dad were both part of my life. I didn't know what to do in a scenario where there is no dad Um, but my mom was ever the vigilant rock for me and the supporter. And I was at, I was actually in graduate school at Baylor college of medicine the day that the labor pain started. But even before that, when I found out I was pregnant, I had just started at the university and, um, I thought I would there were a lot of things that went through my mind. It was an unplanned pregnancy. I had no intention of having a baby. I didn't know what to do. And so my mom was my ever steady rock of Gibraltar, staying there by my side and counseling me. You know, I was working in a medical school in between classes because I was working on my doctorate in microbiology, microimmunobiology at um, the medical school there, Baylor College of Medicine. And my mom was like, um, you can't have a baby in the hospital. My mind had actually gone to having a baby in the hospital because I would there.
3: Right. She
2: yeah. was like, no, Mimi, this is not your culture. You know, culturally, um, you have a baby at home. And I was like, but I don't know what to do. And all I had known for all that time that I was at university was all of my classmates and, you know, students at the medical school and all of that. So I was like, where do I start? I didn't know where to start to look for, uh, 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 a birthing mother, or you know, somebody to help me have the baby, mm-hmm. or all these things. So, I was completely lost without my mom. And my mom did all the research to find a doula who would help me give birth. And uh, she kind of like started the ball rolling because I didn't know what the legalities were for having a home birth. And there's a lot of you, know, depending on the country or the state that you're living in there's a lot of legal ramifications for having a home birth nowadays.
3: Sure. Oh yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. I don't know how it is in Georgia. Is it like that here?
3: Uh, Georgia, as far as I know, and we'll fact check this is uh, it's legal to have a home birth. Um, as far as the licensures and, um, of midwives depending on what type of midwife you are that's seen as differently in certain parts so you know the difference between a direct entry midwife or one that was a nurse midwife those are kind of seen differently and then in what ways those are yeah it it just gets really muddy in <laughs> state to state yeah. yeah
2: and this was back in 95 and I was in Houston Texas Mm. So I, I I don't think I even bothered to study what the law was. Once my mom had decided the fate,
3: Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was I was
2: like, okay, let's just do this. And she was a nurse midwife. I'll always remember her. It was oh, wow. Rashida Mujtaba. And uh, she was a licensed RN. And uh, I don't know how my mom found her. But my mom found her and introduced her to me because I was studying. I was like, I don't have time for this, mom. I got to go yeah. get So <laughs> She did all the footwork for me. All I did was show up for the meeting and
3: like, hi,
2: yeah. nice to meet you. Oh, My mom was such a blessing throughout the whole process.
3: That's awesome. So then yeah. what was the the prenatal care like for you then and any birth planning or kind of envisioning that you had if any cuz you know you said you you were kind of preoccupied with a lot of things going on but were you putting anything into place as far as what you thought you might want to experience or how you saw that day going?
2: Yeah, I had always envisioned having a water birth you know, like this idea of like giving birth to a baby in the water. So he's coming out like a fish and swimming. on. (laughs) Uh, But there was no tub. And we didn't do the swimming pool tub, you know, and bring that in to play or anything. Um, I was a vegetarian at the time. And um, so I had a very healthy regimen. My mom's a vegetarian. She was very influential in my life. I was 21 so I wouldn't say I was young but definitely um, the way our culture works is if the parents are in the household then it's their household so even though I was paying all bills managing all finances all this stuff it was my mom's house <laughs> so um, when she introduced me to the doula the nurse midwife rashida rashida put me on this regimen of prenatal vitamins because she's a you know registered nurse and all this stuff. And she told me how the birthing plan was going to go. After I had the baby, I would take it to a doctor who deals with home births, and he would you know, um, give him the birth certificate, check out his vitals and all of these things. Mm. So everything played out beautifully. And then she gave us a birth plan, like what we needed to get in place. We needed to sterilize the onesies and buy certain onesies and buy certain um, protectors for the mattress, and, you know, those bed sheets that are yeah, plastic yeah. and mm-hmm. stuff and sterilize everything. And she taught us how to sterilize everything by putting it in paper bags and putting it in the oven and baking it. I don't know if you went through all of that, but we didn't do that,
3: but I've heard some of that, that, um, technique. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And then uh, washing certain things with alcohol and putting those aside. And, uh, we had all these things in place months before the baby was born, not months, but you know, a month or or several weeks before the baby was born. Mm -hmm. But what I will always remember was how taken aback by the actual moment, like when it happened. And that that memory is imprinted on my memory forever. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games
0: for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com.
2: Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
3: So why don't you walk us through birthday then, or what you, you know, can piece together as far as the sequence of it? Yeah.
2: Okay, so I was bicycling and taking the bus to and from school every day. We were about two miles away from the campus. And uh, I felt this lull in my energy, but I had a virology exam coming up, so I really felt like I needed to get to the lecture. So I went to class that day. This day, I was so, like, tired. I didn't feel like riding the bicycle, so I took the bus. And I remember getting off of the bus and my energy st- just kept going lower and lower and lower. And my mom called uh, on my cell phone and she was like, Mimi, how's it going when you come home? You know, I wanted to talk to you about some, something having to do with preparing for birth because by this time my belly had popped out, <laughs> you know, like the, the turkey's done. Yeah. It's yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> so my mom knew all the signs, but I wasn't like a hundred percent on all the signs. And so, she was talking to me on the phone following my class, and she was like, Mimi, so, and I was like, Mom, hold on a second. Uh, and then she was like, What was that? I said, I don't know. I just, uh, uh, and she goes, What are you doing? I said, I don't know, Mom, just give me a second. She goes, Mimi, describe what's going on. Uh, I said, I keep having this little pain, and it's just like gas bubbles or something. She goes, Count how long between each of those gas bubbles. And I was like, oh, What do you mean? And she goes, Those might be contractions. I was like, Oh, I don't. I don't know, moms. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> time them. So I was like, "Oh my god, I'm in labor." Wow. I had no idea. So here I am walking across the campus now, and they're happening like, oh, every like five minutes. And I'm like, oh, and my energy keeps on depleting to the point where I feel like I'm almost having to crawl. Across the campus, and all I keep thinking is, Mimi, just make it to the bus stop. Just make it to the bus stop. So I make it to the bus stop, and I sit down, and and it's it's actual labor pains, and the whole time I'm on the phone with my mom, and I'm like, Mom, I don't know what
4: to do. I don't
2: have any energy. She's just like, Just get on the bus, Mimi. Just get on the bus. So I drag myself. I'm I'm like doing everything I can not to crawl and get on my knees and crawl. But I'm so slouched over. My hands are so close to the ground. I just really want to crawl. But I'm like, I will keep walking, keep one foot in front of the other. So I get on the bus. I make it on the bus. And the bus driver is like empathizing with me, like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, I think I might be in labor. And he's like, okay, we'll get you home. So it's like a 30-minute bus ride. I finally get home. It's the public bus. It's not like a or anything it's a public bus they get me home and my mom is there to greet me and I just fall right into her arms I like mom I have no energy and she like drag pulls me into the house and she sits me down and she starts giving me liquids like orange juice and watermelon juice and I start drinking the juices and I'm like oh this is so helpful so mind you this is all around like two o'clock in the afternoon maybe maybe earlier in the day and um so she starts hydrating me because I had gotten dehydrated in the whole process. I hadn't eaten anything because I didn't have any energy to do that. I just had enough energy to get back on the bus after that class. So I'm at home and my friends start calling me from school. And nobody, up until like the seventh month of my pregnancy, nobody knew I was pregnant because I was walking and bicycling to and from school every day. So there was nowhere for the, the weight to mm-hmm. land. So I wasn't getting big. It just popped out all of a sudden in the ninth wow. month. And they're like, hey, what's that? And I'm like, oh, I'm pregnant. And they're like,
4: what? <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise.
2: <laughs> when is it due? Oh, in a couple of weeks. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so um, my friends start calling me. Hey, Mimi, what are you doing? Because I think it's close to the weekend around this time. And they're like um, wanting to get together to – a study for the upcoming uh, uh, exam. So I'm like, oh, I think I'm going into labor. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like, are you going to the hospital? I'm like, no, I'm having it right here. And they're like, oh my God, can we come? Cause they're medical students. Oh my and gosh. PhD students. So I was like, sure, come on over. <laughs> wow. Cause many of them were going through that in their classes, you know, learning how to deliver babies. So, They, uh, I started inviting some of my friends over. One of them, Elena James, is a medical MD, PhD student at the time. And then Reva had already had two children. So she was an MD student and she came over because we were all getting ready to study this at the time. So this is like, this was on a Sunday. I just looked it up, Sunday. So they come Mm -hmm. over and, and we start talking and they're like, can I bring anything? And they start bringing over juice and stuff like that. And it's, it's like, uh, the, getting later in the day, maybe around seven or eight o'clock. And another friend of mine calls me up. Her name was Raquel Bone. And she was a, um, a business student. She wasn't even related to the medical field. But I knew her from New Mexico State. And I, we had connected in Houston. And she had another friend who had never seen the whole birthing process. And she was like, hey, can we come over? Because I think we were supposed <laughs> to go out that night or something. <laughs> so now it's my mom, we called the midwife and Rashida was there. Elena, Riva, the medical student classmate, Raquel, and her friend. So there were all these women there. And I had never anticipated anything like this. But the curiosity of the scientific mind was there with my classmates. And then just because my friends were just supposed to come over, and we we're supposed to hang out. It was just, they were meant to be there. So I called it the gathering of the ajahs. And in Yoruba, ajah, has three different definitions depending on how you pr- pronounce it. So it's A-J-A, three letters, Aja. It can mean dog, it can mean open, or it can mean witches. And my dad is a Babalao. And in our culture, like a witch has uh, the symbolism of being a healer or something like that. Mm-hmm. So here I have all these healing energy all around me just spontaneously. It sounds like in my mind it imprinted as the gathering of the ajas
4: awesome. wow. <laughs> I love that.
2: Yeah. That's how I'll always remember it. So there I am. They're all bringing over juices and stuff. And I'm like rubbing my belly, like feeling so constipated, like I have to take a really serious dump, but it won't come out. And I'm like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> my <laughs> nurse midwife is like, stop pushing until it's time. Mm. So I'm like, when is it going to be time? So I start jumping up and down. <gasps> <laughs> and I turned on, at the time, my favorite artist was Seal. So I turned on Bring It On. From Seal. And you can look up the song. It's one of my favorite songs to this day. And Seal starts singing, bring it on, bring it on. Don't wait until tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) So I start singing this to my belly. I'm like, come on, come on out, it's time. (laughs) And he still doesn't budge. So by now, the pains are intensifying. My friends, if you ask any of my friends who had attended the, the birthing, they would say I was dancing all night long. But I don't remember dancing. I just remember jumping up and down trying to get it out. <laughs> I'm like, come out, come out, wherever you are. <laughs> so I was cutting cantaloupe and cutting watermelon for everybody and pouring juice. And we were all just talking. It was like a a party. So finally the pain just got too much and I just got so exhausted from all of this. And they were all in the living room. And I just was like, Mom, I don't have any energy anymore. I don't know if I'm going to be able to push when it's time to push. And she was just like, take a break. Because I had been standing this whole time. So it was like from 2 o'clock in the afternoon to like 8 or 9 or something at night. And I was just like trying to stay vertical so the baby could have gravity pull it out or something. And uh, he just wasn't coming. So she was like, go take a rest. And Rashida said you know we can always do an epidural it's not too too late for us to induce and I had wanted to do it completely natural so I said no 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 no, no epidural so my mom drew me a hot bath I said make it as hot as you can make it because by this time I didn't feel anything except for pain and I was like I want something under the pain right now <laughs> so I wanted the heat to take my mind off it so I stayed in this hot bath until it started getting cold and it was around 11 o'clock or so and I was like uh, what if, what if I didn't know if the water broke or not? Cause I had been in the water for right. like two hours. I was like, what if, what if, And it, cause I felt something weird going on down there by 11 or so at night. And I was like, what if, and Rashida was sitting by the bathtub with me with her hand in the water, holding my hand and stroking my belly. And she goes, what if what? I said, what if he's coming now? She goes, no, I don't think he's coming. You would know. And I stuck my fingers in my vagina. I put three fingers in there and I was like, this feels weird. So she, I was like, no, I think he's coming. She goes, No, you wouldn't know. I said, No, I think he's coming. And so she did the same thing. She said she was like, Oh, it's his head.
4: Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> so it was almost a water birth. She goes, He gotta get you out of the water because it wasn't clean. I had been in it for like two hours. So he just started slipping his way out. And I was like, Yay. But he didn't come out. (laughs) So they moved me over to to the the bed. And uh, then the pain hit. Because mind you, the warm water had dull sensation of the pain radiating through my body. And they moved me over to the bed. And I was like, oh, my God, this really, really hurt. And it hurts so bad. I started holding my breath and then they started saying, push, push, push. And so I was holding my breath. and pushing. They were like, you need to breathe too. I said, what do you want me to do? Push or breathe. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you're confusing me. <laughs> So by now, all of my classmates were and my friends were in the room. Reva was holding my hand. She was like, just breathe, Mimi. Just breathe, Mimi. And she kept trying to tell me to breathe. And I was like, I am breathing through clenched teeth. And she goes, no, you're not. And then we started getting into this argument that I was breathing. And my nurse midwife was like, focus on what you're doing, Mimi. And I was like, OK, OK, OK. And I was like, OK, I'm breathing. I'm breathing. So I was like telling myself out loud, I'm breathing. I'm breathing. And then um, I would hold my breath and I would clench my teeth whenever she'd say it's time to push I was like can I push now can I push now because she kept on saying hold on don't push yet don't push yet I was like can I push can I push she's like just hold on hold on I'm holding on I'm holding on can I push now and she's like okay push so I'd bear down and I'd hold my breath and they'd be like breathe and I'd be like I'm trying to push (laughs) I don't need to breathe right now I'm trying to push (laughs) so finally I think about three hours into it, it was like three or four o'clock in the morning. I was like, I can't do this anymore. He's not coming. Can you do the epidural now? They're like, no, honey, it's too late for that. I was like, Ah, oh, this hurts. <laughs> so Rashida had gotten down there and started putting on like coconut oil mm-hmm. and castor oil because I had started tearing and that's mm-hmm. where the pain was coming from. Mm-hmm. And so she was trying to massage it. And so that it got lubricated enough to open up And it was painful. It was like I felt like I was being ripped open. And Mm -hmm. it was at the end of it when he finally came out, it was like this tiny little, like two centimeter tear. Right. (laughs) I felt like the whole Grand Canyon had just ripped me open. (laughs) And it was just this tiny little two centimeter, not even two centimeters. It was like nothing, Mm -hmm. but it was so painful. All of my awareness was right there at that spot. Mm but i remember all the noise and everybody saying push and you got this and breathe coaching me through it and i love them for life for all of that helping me you know bring him into the world and then when he finally came out there was just this ethereal silence it was just like nothing everything was peaceful and i know that this is when all of my dmt was in my system i was like in love with everybody in love with the world and he was so quiet i was like is he out and they're like yeah he's out and there was this hush that befell the room. Mind you, there was like six of us in the room, but at that time, it would have sent, seemed like the whole house was quiet. It was so peaceful. And then I heard him. And um, Rashida laid him on my belly, and he was so quiet. And, you know, he wasn't a big cry or anything. It was just like a little squeak. Ah! And, <laughs> and the sense of looking around. My mom was the first person to like make eye contact with him when he opened his eyes. And um, he started looking at everybody, and it was a sense of, hmm, no, you don't quite seem familiar to me. Mm, no, not mm. you. And then when the midwife laid him on my stomach, he looked at me and he was like, yeah, that's who I was looking for. Wow. And closed his eyes and he just fell asleep on my bed. It was like love at first sight.
3: Wow.
4: Wow, <laughs> <laughs> wow Mimi.
2: I told him, "Welcome to the world." Words mm. to you. are supported on your journey.
4: That's so cool. And is it is it early early morning at this point?
2: Oh, it was five thirty four a.m. Mm.
4: So the world was quiet as well.
2: The World was quiet. I was the only one making noise. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't what they thought was going on that night. <laughs> oh, really. Yeah, 534. That was a long, I think it was 24 and a half hours of labor. It was a long day because my mom suspected I was going into labor as I was going to class.
4: Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I don't remember if I had class or if I had something to do in preparation for the upcoming test. Yeah.
4: So. Yeah.
3: That and was that... just a... <sighs> you told that story so beautifully. Like it was so vivid. I feel like I was with you along it. Like I could, you know, it's like when you read a really amazing book that then you have the full vision of what the places look like, what the people look like. And just the, the description that you had of this, you would not think this was 23 years ago.
2: Yeah. It's the, the, Biggest, most important thing that has ever happened to me in my whole life. Wow. <laughs> that was like that moment. Mm-hmm. I, I could pinpoint all the details of it. <laughs> I was embedded, firmly impressed on my brain. Mm. I'll never
4: forget it. So share a little bit of what happened after Adayemi came out and was asleep on your chest. And, you know, the room was quiet. Um, what What is your... What did your friends do and the other students in there? Did they stick around for a while? What what were the midwives doing?
2: Well, I have to be honest with you. After all of that, I barely had any energy. I didn't think I'd be able to push anymore because I was just like ready to pass out. <laughs> during the during the pregnancy, during the labor, I think I passed out. Mm. At that moment, that was that everything probably went blank and oh, everybody yeah. just disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> disappeared from my consciousness because yeah. I was <laughs> I just remember that that two hearts sinking up as they had in the womb and just holding my child I think my mom handled everything there might have been some words past you know the nurse midwife telling me what's next and uh, yeah 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 through through dazed eyes and just you know lost in love with my baby on my chest you know they, made a, they might have I'd, – I'd just make it, be making things up if I tried to tell you what happened.
3: Right, right. <laughs> yeah, <I get> <laughs> None of it <laughs> mattered. Just, yeah. Disappeared after that.
2: <laughs> yeah, they weren't there the next day. But I, I will say this. I, I couldn't let him go. I, I held him as long as I could hold him, even into sleep. And it was my mom was like, you need not sleep with the child because um, you need to put some protective barriers around them. Because if you're so exhausted, you might roll on the baby. <laughs> you know, all the little details that you don't think about, you know. Like, it, it, it has happened where, where parents have a newborn child and they sleep with them and they're so exhausted, they roll onto the baby. You know, yeah. Yeah. those kinds of stories. Or the baby rolls off of the bed. So my mom was handling all the details of things that I wasn't even thinking about. And I remember at one point after the baby was born, I had to go to the bathroom. And I'll always remember this, too. I I have this ride, jump out of bed kind of thing. I've done it since I was a kid. I still do it today. I jump right out of the bed. And the energy was there to do it, like to make a dash to the bathroom. But I had forgotten about the episiotomy. I I tore myself open like the Grand Canyon. And so I moved to jump out of the bed and the whole world came crashing down on me pain. I was like, oh my God, what is that horrible pain? (laughs) It was so bad. Oh, I think I even forgot about the afterbirth. There was the afterbirth. And that that was painful. I was like, ah, does the pain never stop? (laughs) I thought at some point through the whole labor process, at each point in the last 23 years, I kept on thinking to myself, okay, this is the end of the pain. But at two years old, there was more pain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. At 13 years old, having a child is like, I just got used to there being pain throughout the rest of my life. Because there's things that happen where There's the physical pain and then there's the heart pain associated with the child hurting themselves for the first time in a way that you never thought was imaginable or the child having an experience or the child pulling away or the child going through you know, all these pains are new, different kinds of pains manifesting themselves that all started with the episiotomy and labor.
3: (laughs) Right, right.
2: But yeah, uh, going to the bathroom for the first time after childbirth, oh, that was the worst. <laughs> oh, man, uh, Little details that I remember.
4: Right, little things, yeah, just like, the little things. As a man, like I, I can't even yeah. imagine. You're sitting here <laughs> like, what? You
3: for, for, just go. Yeah, for
4: either. Well, no, I'm not even thinking that. I'm uh, thinking I, that just must feel, I, I, I don't know what it would even yeah,
2: feel like. yeah. Uh, people have tried to describe it as a watermelon trying to push a watermelon out of the penis hole, and I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: <laughs> a little
3: different. <laughs> the visual
4: in my head is like one of those snakes that swallows a, like an egg, and you just see yeah. the egg and its throat going. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah,
3: yeah. It just makes its way through That's the, the visual coils. I have of when a snake. you say
4: a watermelon traveling through a penis,
3: oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, like that. <laughs> it's just like the impossible to conceive of. Uh,
3: so, oh, I'm curious Mimi, when you um if you have conversations, you know, um in your in your life currently or any recently, you know, with other women or with mamas who are preparing or considering their birth options, you know, what are some of the things that you would share or recommend with someone who's considering home birth or what would you see as some of the great benefits of it or, you know, as it Helped you, or you know any and all of that to just what you would kind of share with someone listening who might be you know on their own journey, either preparing for conception or birth process and beyond.
2: I remember regrouping with my classmates after my son was born, and I remember the conversations that ensued around having a hospital birth. You know, we were all in some form of fashion connected to the university um, hospital. And some of the jokes that would go around about going in from the top, you know, medical doctors nowadays, they structure the birth around their schedule. Mm-hmm. And and know that more and more doctors are being more inclusive of what the parent wants. And even hospitals are designing rooms for birthing, birthing rooms, so they could adhere to the parents standard for giving birth naturally. But the medical practice is just that. It's a practice and they are practicing. And when I was in medical school, there was a quota the students needed to get in order to pass um, a gynecology or obstetrics, I forget which one it was, uh, of uh, cesarean sections. Mm. And it's a practice. And so they needed a certain number. So they, it's a medical school teaching hospital. So whether or not the parent wanted to have it by natural birth, or by cesarean was not really 100% in the parents' hands because students needed the practice. So oftentimes they were converting vaginal births over to cesareans so that the students could get practice. And there are a lot of jokes that were passed between me and my medical school friends. They were saying things like, yeah, we're going in from the top. There's a certain level of insensitivity that the, the practitioners had as students for sure. But I know a lot of that was what they learned from their teachers who were actual practicing doctors. So having the the behind-the-scenes look at what the medical practice, how the medical practice looks at giving birth gave me assurance that what I did was the right way. For me, my experience was holistic. It was loving. It was according to my my will, my wants, what I wanted. There was no drugs introduced into the baby system when he was born. He wasn't shocked by bright lights and loud sounds of the beeping monitors and, you know, noises of doctors and nurses going and treating uh, childbirth like it was a medical emergency. He was surrounded by love and mm-hmm. comfort of his own home. And so there's so many benefits that whenever people are contemplating home birth or hospital birth, I keep on emphasizing the need to have a home birth. I mean, we need to bring it back to it's not a medical condition. It's not a disease state that needs to be treated. And so honor that. And there's something different, something spiritual, something transcendental that happens with that connection that mom makes with baby when they have that environment that's supported for birthing. Versus treating a medical condition
3: in the hospitals.
4: Yeah, that was beautifully put. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. Thank
3: you, oh, Mimi. You're amazing. I appreciate you so much just sharing this with us and hanging out with us today.
2: You're yeah. welcome. My pleasure. <laughs> uh, you
1: know, uh,
4: sometimes during these um, these these interviews, I'll write little notes to Sarah about something, like a question I want to ask or something, and. I'm looking at it right now on my screen. I wrote, this is great with an exclamation point because oh. I, I really enjoyed hearing you share your story. You know, uh, we've known you for so long and I've had the pleasure of meeting your son. He's an awesome guy. Um, and just you sharing the story gives me more insight into you, into who you are and who you are as a woman and a mother and just a, a powerhouse. And like Sarah said earlier, the way you shared the story, it w- I was right there with yeah. you. I was one of those students in the room. I felt like I was right there on the bus with you. and
3: uh, You it, were one of the witches. Yes. <laughs> welcome to the Ajax.
4: Ajax yes. And so um, this really was great. So, so thank you so much, Mimi.
2: You're welcome. I feel so honored to have been asked to be on the show. I remember the story in such detail, but... I'm not often
3: asked, you know, yeah. what was your first story? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Not many women are. So I'm glad that we could do this. We... I mean, it's been 23 years. Yeah. You <laughs> wouldn't expect me to still remember. I'm like, oh, I still remember. <laughs> That's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah and a true testament you. to how impactful the experience is and how important these stories are. Yeah, yeah. Love We love you, too. Mimi. I love you too. Thank you. <laughs>